So welcome to part three of our series titled, if I can have it here, Best Version of Yourself. I know the text is not there. Best Version of Myself. We all want to be a better version of ourselves, right? It's a highly attractive phrase. You kind of see it everywhere. I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be a better version of myself. And that can go in so many different directions of how to interpret that. But the driving question that has helped us elevate being the best version of ourselves is the question of, what breaks your heart? By default, we naturally go to questions and we go to goals and resolutions of how to be better financially, how to um, have better financial skills. This will be the year I go to the gym. This will be the year where I cut off that relationship, that friendship, whatever. I'm going to you know, break up. I'm going to whatever. Like This will be the year, right? We always have all these different goals and resolutions that focus on me, my family, my, my whatever. It's all centered around us. It's all good. I don't want you to lose sight of that. I want you to keep all that. All that's fine and dandy, but we lose sight of a bigger picture. So the question that should be the catalyst for us to have a bigger picture is, is the question, what breaks your heart? We all want to have a meaningful life. We all want to have meaning, right? We, 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 we go above and beyond to try to find meaning. But sometimes if we're not focused on having a meaningful life, we fall into this path of just doing whatever makes me happy. Because that's an easier route. And sometimes we just we kind of go this way instead of pursuing a meaningful life. We kind of go this way of just doing what makes me feel good, whatever is convenient, whatever makes me happy. And then as, as life goes on, we realize we've dug ourselves into a hole. We feel more empty than ever because every decision, every relationship, every career, every financial decision has been rotated around how will this make me happy? How will this make me happy? But inside of all of us, we desire to have a meaningful life. Honestly, I think if we're honest with ourselves, I think we value at our core to have a more meaningful life than just pursuing happiness. Because we all understand from, from life experience, when our agenda is just to be happy, we end up still being empty. Happiness comes, but it is a byproduct of pursuing a life of meaning. This has to be the driving force because God has implanted within each one of us wanting more to a life than just this world. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for meaning. We want to do something bigger than ourselves. So in our heart, we know this is the driving force, but sometimes we're tempted of just wanting to pursue happiness, and that's about it. So, the million-dollar question that's been driving this three-part series as we wrap up today, what breaks your heart? And I want to make this more, I want to add more context to this because I know this question is very broad. It's intentionally broad. But I want you, and you beautifully did that in, in the survey here, so thank you for being open and real. Every time you see that thing on the news, every time you see someone in that position, every time you hear of that story or someone else going through that, ugh, Maybe somebody else, maybe for me, I'm like, oh, man, that kind of stinks. You know, may God be with them. But for you, it's like, I, I can't, I can't. I cannot just sit there and do nothing as I see this happening, right? I'm not saying I'm bad and you're good. I'm just saying it, there's something that settles in your heart differently than it settles in mine. And that's the touch of heaven. That's the touch of God putting that on your heart as far as what breaks your heart might be a little bit different than what breaks my heart. As you guys beautifully did in the survey, all of those are heavy things. All of that is right, 
But this, it, it, this question settles upon each one of us differently. It can be from our upbringing. It could be from trauma in the past. It could be from various things, things in our family, so forth and so on. There's a story behind each one of us that has probably brought why you guys wrote down the things you did as far as what breaks your heart. Now for today, I want to share with you, a, I learned so much this week preparing of a really interesting conversation which Jesus had with some of his followers. And this is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So St. Luke was a physician. He was also an artist on the side. But he, as a physician, him being very science-minded, he wanted to, as he began his Gospel, he said, I want to put an, an orderly account, as he said. I want to put an orderly account of the life of Jesus. So St. Luke re- re- interviewed and did comprehensive research on a wide array of different people in order to put together what we know today as being the gospel according to St. Luke. But for him, it was a thesis paper. For him, it was a comprehensive research in which he did of interviewing every eyewitness that he could possibly get his hands on of who experienced Jesus Christ. And I want to share with you from the gospel of Luke chapter 12. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands, right, thousands, were, had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. I, I, I wanted to start with this because sometimes, like, we, we read the Bible and sometimes, like, we picture, like, you know, Jesus kind of walking like this and everyone's like, oh, Jesus, you're the best. And obviously the sign of the cross wasn't there at the time. But, you know, people, people just think, like, you know, people are just waiting in line just to get healed. And people are going crazy just to get next to Jesus. They were trampling on top of each other. And for Sam to say thousands, he's a doctor, right? He, he doesn't talk like us. Like, yeah, like, dude, everyone was there. When we say everyone was there, that means like 14 people were there. So no, it's not like hey, everyone, no. When he said thousands, he means thousands of people were there and they were trampling on each other. Of course, everyone had different agendas. Some people were there because they wanted a, a fish sandwich. Some people were there because they wanted healing. Everyone was there, you know, for their own reason. Sometimes genuinely because they wanted a transformational life that they went all into knowing that this is God and flesh. Some other people were there just for other superficial reasons. But in either case, St. Luke records that they were trampling on each other. Just, you, you, can you imagine? Jesus, like, everyone's just trying to touch you, everyone's trying to grab you, and just thousands, and just, just, just you can have that visual. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So can you imagine here, thousands of people, right? Everyone's kind of grabbing Jesus. One second, one second, just give me five minutes. Everyone's pulling at Jesus. Everyone's pulling at Jesus. And then Jesus hears one of the people in the crowd say, Jesus, can you just tell my brother to divide what our inheritance? He gets his part and I get mine. Out of everything going on, that catches his, Jesus, he catches his ears. And he pauses. And just knowing how good Jesus was as a communicator, and at just pastorally, he grabbed on to that statement, and he held on to that. He realized there's so much going on for this man to say, Jesus, tell my brother to divine. We don't know the details of why, why this guy is saying this. We don't know if his dad passed away and they're trying to divide the inheritance. We don't know the details. But we do know this man came to Jesus and yelled, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? I, it, I, I read it when I see man in the beginning. Uh, obviously, Jesus didn't say it this way, but I, I can imagine his body language and the way he says, like, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between, between you? 
right? He's, he's kind of like saying, who, who, who am I? You, you think I'm going to sit there and, and say, okay, what's his? What's his? You, you think that's my job? Right? Jesus kind of like responds back to him. Saying, man, you think, I'm, you think I'm the judge? You think I'm the arbiter between you two? Jesus continues because now a door has opened. Door has opened. Jesus is not focusing on the superficiality. He's trying to get to the heart of the agenda of this person, of why he brought this question up in the first place of telling Jesus, divine, what belongs to my brother and what belongs to me? Then Jesus said to them, watch out. Jesus tells him, watch out. Can you, can you imagine? The guy has, he's looking for Jesus to, 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 to divide 50-50. What belongs to his brother and what belongs to him? And then Jesus says, do you think I'm, I'm the arbiter? you think I'm the judge here? And he tells him, I want you to watch out. He continues. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Jesus tells him, you got to be careful. You got to watch, watch out. You have to put your guard up. For us, when we think of like, you strip everything away. You look at the question. Dividing what belongs to my brother, what belongs to me. Okay, it doesn't seem like there's so much to unpack. But the Jesus is getting to the heart, and he tells him, you better watch out. You better have your guard up against greed. We don't think of it as something I need to keep my guard up. You know, for things in life that we keep our guard up, you know, I'll tell you, here's a couple examples of things that we, we do to keep our guard up. We keep our guard up when you get an email saying your password has been compromised. What do you do? You change your password, right? You feel someone has, has hacked into whatever, you have your guard up. Or, you know, I don't know, you're driving to Tennessee and you see all like the, the signs that says, you know, be careful of like uh, the, the rocks falling. You have your guard up. I don't know what you do, but you just keep your guard up, right? There's certain things that you see, you keep your guard up. And you, the, you, mosquito, you, you, put the, you put the spray on. There's certain things in life, you keep your guard up, right? You're, you're watchful, right? You're, 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 um, what's the word they say on the news on like, as far as uh, attacks? Be vigilant, or what's the word? Maybe vigilant. They say always, be careful, you know, be, keep your guard up, be, watch out, right? There's certain things in life that we're careful, that we watch out for. But do you and I keep a guard up against greed? No. I swipe my credit card. I get what I deserve, right? Gr greed is so hard to see. It's so hard to see. We can all agree it's bad, right? Don't be greedy, right? Don't be greedy. But greed has such a brilliant way of dressing up and putting on a different mask in which we can't see. Because you and I tell ourselves, I deserve it. I earn it. I worked hard. This, my, my, this is my degree, or, the, you know, I, 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 I deserve this, right? You, we dress it up in so many different directions, so many different ways, or what comes around goes around, this is, what, what, this is what's brought to me. You, you know what, we, we, we dress it, we over-spiritualize it, we, we, we make it nice and fluffy in order it's easier for us to digest. But greediness, that's nasty. No, no, nobody wants that, that, right? But we dress it up in a way, and Jesus tells them, time out. The question is not about you dividing between your brother. You need to keep your guard up. You need to watch out. Greed has the authority to rob us of the meaning of life. Greed has the power, has the authority to rob us as the, what the meaning of life is. It becomes a driving force that digs ourselves into a deeper and deeper hole. Jesus continues. Life does not consist 
and an abundance of possessions. Right? He kind of states the obvious. We all agree on this. Right? There's more to life than just like getting stuff or a bigger house and the new car and the new whatever. Right? We understand life is more than this. Right? But do we live that out? Do our finances reflect this? Do our life decisions reflect this? There's so much more to life than just having more life experiences or more vacation to in order to have more pictures of that type of exotic trip. There's more to life than just that. It's more than just possessions. There's more to life than just this. So Jesus is stating the obvious to you and to me. So Jesus, as he always does, says, sit down, let me tell you a nice story, right? Because Jesus was so good of giving a theological divine reality as far as nourishment for our soul through an analogy, through a parable. Because a parable, you can unpack and move it in different directions. So he loved to be a great storyteller in order to enrich us, in order to save us. So here is Jesus' is one of his parables. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I got no place to store my crops. Like, I, I, I've worked hard. I got tons of crops. I've, I've yielded abundant fruit. Now, I, I have no place to store it. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. So he thought, okay, I got tons of crops, tons of things that I, that I produced. It's abundance. My barn doesn't hold it. I'll tear down the barn, and I'll just build bigger and a better barn in order for me to hold my stuff. This is his thought. If I just have more storage, then it wouldn't be an issue at all. Not to go off topic, but do you know one of the fastest growing industries in America is extra storage units? I'm not going to ask a question, so don't raise your hand, but it, the amount of people like, is one of the fastest growing uh, industries in America. I mean, I, 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 you, you guys, I, I'm not the only one that sees it. You, you see them building, you know, three, four-story buildings just for, for us to store our junk that we don't even know what's in there. We don't even know what's under our, our, in our closet. We don't know what's under our bed, but we need to get a storage a unit in order to store more junk that just sits there, right? I don't want, I don't want you to feel bad or guilty, but it, it's, it's America. This is where we are as American culture. And totally going way off topic. Hopefully I get back here. It, our church building that we have right now in Doraville, right next, our neighbor is a storage unit. So I, I wanted to get to know all our neighbors, right? So I go in there, say, hey, I'm Father Nathaniel, like we're next door. And, you know, I'm just curious, you know, how, you know, I wanted to get to know them. Honestly, selfishly, don't judge me. I wanted to see if business is well, to see if they're going to go out of business or anything like that. And so <laughs> they said business is booming. They're 99% occupied. They only had two units available. I, here's my confession. I was just curious, because I don't know if you guys are driving on, when you see on the highway, you can see the building, for those who, you can see the building. So I got scared that if they're not doing good and someone buys that place and they build something higher, then we wouldn't be able to see the church. So that was really my agenda. I just want to make sure that no one else built something higher so that way we can see the church from the highway. That's what I was concerned. But they said business is doing well. This extra unit business is doing well. But going back, let's kind of go back to the parable here. So this guy, which we can relate to, says, I'm doing well. I need more space. I need to get a bigger house. I need to get a bigger barn. I need to get a bigger whatever because life is good and I, and, and I deserve to be able to store all this and chill, right? 
And I'll say to myself, that the guy who's been successful with abundant of crops, he, says that he, tells, he tells himself this. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry, chill. You deserve it. You've worked hard. This is, you, 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 you've made it. You can retire early. You, you've, you've, you've made it up the corporate ladder. Good for you. I'm successful. I've made it. I can retire early. I got my passive income. I got generational wealth set up. I'm good, right? Right? When we're just locked in, we feel like I've made it in life, right? And, and, and we, we, just, we just feel I, I, I've made it. I can retire early. Look at me. I'm the best. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. This is a parable. Jesus tells him, you're a fool if you think this is the meaning to life of just getting more and bigger and better and more storage. You're a fool if you think that's success. You've missed out on life. Your life will be demanded of you. You, you think you're in control? You, you, you think you manage every element of your life? You're, you, you, we're nothing. All this can fade away. I don't mean to... We're all one phone call away from things falling apart. Where do we put our trust? Is it in circumstances? Is it in career? Is it in a relationship? In the test result of a, of a, of a lab? A hospital visit? Is that where we put our trust? Jesus says this in the parable. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Right? Jesus pushes him to think big. Okay, cool. You got all the stuff. You, got, you, build, you tear down your old house. You build a bigger house because you need more space. I get it. Okay, fine. You die. Who gets all this stuff? Who gets all your stuff? The guy's not generous. All his stuff becomes divided out and his family fights over it because, not because he's generous, it's because he's dead. There's a Southern saying, um, at least I heard it growing up. I've never seen a hearse carrying a trailer. You guys, Man, that's okay. Don't worry about it. It's a saying. Like, I've never seen, like, a dead person going to his funeral holding a, you know, with the, with the, with the car holding a, a trailer. It's like, we're not going, we're not leaving this world with our stuff. So Jesus says, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? The stuff that we put our blood, sweat, and tears in, right? For us to get more stuff, to get more possessions, for us to, to be able to retire early, or for us to say we've made it, or for us to, to lock in passive income, or for us to get generational, all that's good. But does that stuff own us? Does that stuff consume us? Is this our drive? Is this our agenda? Because then at the end, we'll be left with nothing. And our life will be demanded of us. Because our life is not our own. This is how we will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. But is not rich toward God. You want to be rich toward God. You want to... Give your life to some capacity to God. You want to live for him. But some, for many of us, the thing that's holding us back, I don't want to say greed. Because once I say greed, you're just like, well, that's not me. That, 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 that person on social media, that, that, that's greed. That, that, not me, right? But greed loves to dress itself up in a very disguising way. 
Greed promises you more, but it leaves you with less. Greed promises you more. Once I get this job, once I get this promotion, once I get that phone, once, I get that, once we get into a new house, once we get that, that, that vacation, once we get that, it promises you more, but it will leave you with less. You will always be chasing the virtue of contentment. We will always be chasing contentment. I want to be the best version of myself. I want you to be the best version of yourself. Goals, the gym, and the finances, and the health, and cool, stick with it. That's awesome. But I want you to add in the mix. I'm repeating myself for three weeks in a row just because this is so personal to me, this is heavy for me, and this is connected to our theme for the church this year. What breaks your heart? I'm not saying it's something that you're able to solve by yourself. But maybe, maybe that seed that's planted within you, as far as what breaks you, what if that's God wanting for you to take the next step? Pray through it, yes. But I also want you to take action. Will it cost you something? You betcha. It will cost you time. People will be questioning your financial decisions. People will be questioning how you're using your time off to do what again? But what breaks your heart? Because that's a touch of God wanting to do something different in you. Be the best version of yourself. But make sure the best version of yourself does not end with you. But you become a means to an end in which the end is not about you. If the only thing that breaks your heart is your electricity bill. Only thing that breaks your heart is the, the, the weather. Only thing that breaks your heart is just, just here. Then, I, then we need to take a step back. And maybe God is wanting to elevate you and do something big in you this year. Be the best version, but make sure you are a means to an end in which you are not the end. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, just as you have told your disciples at that Last Supper, that you have told them to, to love to the highest extent, for them to go out into this world to be your light, Lord, there is an itch within all of us to live for something bigger than ourselves. Lord, give us the clarity of thought. Give us the strength to push past our own goals and dreams that only relate to us, that only relate to our family, that only relate to our inner circle. But for us to, to dive deep into the question of what breaks our heart, Lord, this is where we will find you. Lord, this is where we know that you will be doing great things within us. Lord, I pray that this year for our church, that we hold on to this virtue of self-denial, that it's not just something that's through the series or something that comes and goes. But Lord, this is where we desire to strengthen our intimacy with you. This is where we desire to invite you to do something big within us. We are yours. Use us through the prayers of your saints. Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.